This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to College Talk. I am Russ Goldman. In this episode, I'll be once again talking to Simon Peach, who is the chief football writer for the Press Association. He also covers Manchester United. He's on to share his thoughts on Manchester United ahead of this match against Fulham at Craven Cottage. I look forward to doing the show, but before I do anything else, I have to welcome Simon back to the show. Simon, how are you doing? Good. Better than Fulham. Anything is better than Fulham right now, Simon. (laughs) As we've discussed, not my not my bets on the Rams being the Patriots. Yes, you mentioned that. Okay. Well, let's get into this. Let's talk about, since the last time we talked, let's focus first on Manchester United because obviously there was a change in manager and that's made a difference. So let's talk about their play since the last time these two teams met. Well, United are now performing like we know they can, uh, certainly in terms of individual talent. Uh to be honest, in hindsight, it's amazing Fulham didn't do better against a side that were in disarray. It's it's back then. It felt like Fulham were on the up, and Man United were on the down, and obviously that's obviously that day. Paul Pogba was a a new substitute. Man United one for one. I can tell you now that I don't think he will be tomorrow. Um, he's performing like the World Cup winner we know. Uh, he's been freed up in midfield to attack. Marcus Rashford's just been crowd player of the month after scoring three three Premier League goals in four matches. Uh, you've got players signing up for new deals because Jose's gone. Uh, there's a feel-good factor around the club and the guy that's been brought in, which I don't think anyone really saw coming. Uh, well, if people didn't see him coming, the fact that he's succeeding is even more impressive. So yeah, Fulham are in for a, a long, 
lunchtime tomorrow, I fear. Well, I fear it as well, Simon. And let's talk about the new manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I, I believe he just won manager of the month, which is a pretty incredible feat in itself. So well, let's more, talk incre- about- more, more incredible is the fact that the last time a Manchester United manager won that award was Sir Alex Ferguson. Wow. In October 2012. So that, that gives you an indication of just how much United have struggled since Relics left. Uh, and yeah, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is obviously a chip off the old block. A guy that was uh, a legend at the club as a player, spent time coaching there and coached the reserve team. So he worked with the likes of Lingard and Pogba briefly before then going on to manage Mulder, Cardiff pretty badly. I think he, you know, he would admit that. Uh, and then Mulder again. Uh, he came in on a loan deal, I guess you could you could describe it as, because he's due to go back to Mulder in the summer, which is unusual for a manager, obviously very very common in, in players, as, as Tim Fossey mentioned can vouch. Um, but, yeah, he's he's gone above and beyond. He's broken the club record for most amount of league games won at the start of a reign. He's broken the club record for the most games in all competitions won at the start of a reign. He's equaled the Premier League record for the most number of games won at the start of a reign. Uh, he's scored lots of goals. In fact, his opening game against Cardiff was the first time that they'd scored that many goals in a single Premier League match since Sir Alex Ferguson's final match as manager. Uh, it's just all changed. Look, a lot of it can be put down to simple stuff like putting an arm around the shoulder yeah. and being positive. But at the same time, there has been some tactical now. And there, the man management side is where Jose Mourinho fell down. Uh, because if you are even even to the end, I was impressed by the way he was changing things tactically within matches. Uh, the problem was he was making the wrong selection in the first place and falling out with people. So he's done a lot well, and it's a little surprise that he's now a bookmaker's favourite to, to take the job on a permanent basis. Whether that is the case, I think the next month or two will will decide that. Okay, but do you think that's still a possibility? Well, that he takes over permanently. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Well. The old phrase, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. At the moment, it, the United haven't lost a game. They've not <laughs> lost a single... They've only been behind in a match once. Um, they, it, you can't argue against what he's done so far. And they're winning ugly. I mean, the Leicester game, they weren't good, but they won. Uh, and then and then other games are winning in style. They're winning big away games at Arsenal in the FA Cup, at Tottenham in the league. Um, and he's talking about what they do have rather than what they don't, which is what Jose is doing. Okay. It's very interesting because I'm trying to put my finger on That's why I'm glad that we're talking about this. What was the difference? You talked about the man management. So for you, there are some tactical changes, but this really comes down to the players listening to the new manager and they were not listening as much to Jose Mourinho and he wasn't basically pushing the right buttons. Does that what it really comes down to for Man United? I think it would be harsh on Solskjaer to say it was just down to man's management. But just let, let's say that I was told that the day Jose Mourinho was fired that not one person at the training ground was sad to see him go. And wow. that goes from staff to players. Clearly, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, as I'm sure the people at the training ground included the his coaches that also lost their job. But you, that gives you a gist that I couldn't name you, Nemanja Matic, maybe Scott McTominay, that players that would be sad to see him go um he fell out with players he treated them badly um and then Solskjaer's come in and has put the arm around the shoulder has said we are Man United beat that drum and points to a wall and shows him 
scoring the goal that wins the treble. He, he's got that power and he's got that personality. But tactically, he's got the team playing with more confidence. The centre-backs are pushing up, which they weren't doing under Jose. The full-backs are being given rein to go forward. Uh, Paul Pogba's been unshackled. Anthony Martial's looking decent. Marcus Rashford's playing as a central striker and scoring goals. A lot of it is kind of simple stuff, the kind of stuff I'd be doing on Football Manager uh, if I was <laughs> playing as manager of Man United. But in that kind of environment, I can't even imagine what it's like. Um, so I know what it's like when I do a story uh, which gets on Man United fans' nerves. It, it goes wild because it's Manchester United. So right. being the manager is an incredible stress, and but one that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is embracing. So, it, yeah, it's all positive at the moment. That's well good to hear from from a Manchester United perspective, not from a phone perspective. No. <laughs> but let's talk about you were just at his presser. What what did you learn from his presser? What stood out? Well, I've learned that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is constantly going to get me up at five a.m. for his press conferences. <laughs> uh, so that that is set in stone. Uh, in terms of injuries, they're they're fine. Antonio Valencia and Matteo Darmian are out for a couple of weeks, but I mean neither of them are. Antonio Valencia's played one game and he's the club captain since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's arrived. So not major things. Um, again, it was just talking positively. He was talking about his plans for the next few years while also saying, yeah, I might not be here, but he's talking about improving the club in the long term for them. So he's been speaking about that. Uh, Phil Jones signed a new contract this morning, becoming I the latest that. player to do so. Yeah, he signed a new deal, which is... is um, not to all fans' tastes, uh, but I, I think he's a decent defender. And he's only 26. He feels a lot older than that. Um, yeah, so it was just more positivity, really. And he was asked about Claudio Ranieri. Um, and he's he was full of all... It, it, I mean, it didn't. I didn't put it in my copy because I had so much else I had to squeeze in with a word count. Right. Um, he, he was very positive about Ranieri. And he was saying he didn't know about the ins and outs of Fulham, but... Leicester showed what he could do as a as a manager, and he said it's the best achievement ever to win the league. And said that he's looked up to, admired, read books about him and stuff. So Solskjaer clearly appreciates Ranieri as a manager, and he even said he's copied some of his sessions. Interesting, very interesting. Okay, let's now talk about Manchester United key players for this match. You mentioned several that you would probably mention again. I would say Pogba looks like a different player when, I, when I've watched Manchester United. Like you mentioned, the shackles are off, and you talked about Martial. Where do you start when you talk about this upcoming match against Fulham? What, what are the key players from a Manchester United perspective? Well, well, I'm interested. Well, first of all, it's probably important to frame it in what's coming afterwards because on Tuesday, they've got the first leg of their Champions League last 16 match against Paris Saint-Germain. So I'm interested to see whether... Ole Gunnar Solskjaer makes many changes with that in mind. I suspect he won't make wholesale changes because the times he has done that is when United have made their uh, perform pretty poorly, to be quite frank. Um, Paul Pogba starting would be very, very important, obviously, uh, and he would do very well, you'd think, even though uh, he's a Parisian and will be sure to start against PSG. Marcus Rashford has been in fine form, whether he plays with the front three, because most successful so far has been Martial Lingard and um, and Rashford, but he's got Lukaku and Sanchez, which aren't bad backup options and all, and pose different questions to a defence, which uh, the majority of your listeners, uh, being of a full persuasion, will know is pretty damn awful. Um, so, yeah, I think attack-wise, United could bully them. So it's just about who he decides to play with 
the Fulham game, uh, sorry, with the PSG game in mind, sure. and getting and uh, getting the Fulham over the line. He actually he had an interesting turn of phrase about game that this would be. He said this would be a character revealer, which is an interesting turn of phrase, probably because English isn't his first language. Uh, right. In terms of can they forget the PSG game on the horizon and focus on this? Um, so this is going to be about character. So you think you okay. stick with the tried and tested for the majority. Okay, very good there. All right, let's talk about form. I'm not feeling great about talking about it right now. Based on uh, what I've read this morning, there are two powerful articles, one in The Telegraph and one in The Guardian. I made you aware of those, Simon, uh, that actually make me feel worse about the situation with the club. And uh, it kind of backs up my feelings on the club. I'm, we're not going to go into details on these articles. But talks a lot about Claudio Ranieri and the players. What are your thoughts about Ranieri and, and the situation Fulmer in? When we talked several months ago, I don't think either one of us thought it was going to be like this. And it's really gone from bad to worse. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone and I've had ups and downs. Look, I have a, having covered Fulham for several years uh, and I'm very much looking forward to going there for the first time this season tomorrow. Uh, I have always kept an eye on Fulham and tried to keep on top of certain transfer news and things. Right. And when they were making all these deals in the summer, I thought, this is an amazing business. I was kind of blown away, to be honest. And I said as much on, on when I was a guest on Five Live. I said they did the best transfer business series, the best transfer signing. But I think I fell in the same trap as a number of onlookers. Because uh, I also covered QPR at the time, time I was covering Fulham. And they had Tony Fernandez take over the club. And the team that got them promoted, they ripped up and started again because they got this new takeover. Now, the problem with that is you lose all the momentum. You lose the the, the, the squad bond. Uh, and it kind of, in hindsight, feels like Fulham had done that. Obviously, things weren't the same under Slavisa at the start of the season. Sure. He got fired. Ranieri came in. They looked better. I, I mean, beating Mark Hughes at Southampton wasn't the, <laughs> wasn't the best, <laughs> wasn't the most... Uh, impressive yardstick with which, with, with which to measure progress. But I saw signs, positive signs. But now the articles that you mentioned by Sam Dean of The Telegraph and Jacob Steinberg of The Guardian, two guys that I know well and know a lot about football in London, pointed out quite wisely that Ranieri is the right, has the right credentials and the right knowledge, but he's coming in and doesn't know how to to cope with certain players. And when I say yeah. cope, I don't mean in terms of personality. Sessegnon was the most exciting player in the championship last season, the most exciting teenager in the country, arguably. Right. Uh, and he was someone we all expected to be in, in the England senior side. And now he's not even getting the starting line of a side at the 19th of the table. Um, Tom Kearney, fantastic last season. I loved watching him. And obviously he was, both of them were the heroes in the, in the playoff final. I guess they combined them. I think it, they, yeah, it was those two combining for the winner, wasn't it? Um, and now he's struggling for a position. And I just feel that, as the guys have said in those articles, and as I'm sure you, you feel, they just he's just not getting the best out of the squad. They've got no, he's not. Oh. Some 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 of the signings. Uh, I think I think the signings that were made in uh, in January weren't weren't. Awful, and I also know that Fulham were trying hard to get some other players. It sounds like right. agents got in the way of certain deals, uh, but they're look. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a difficult time. It's not nice to watch as a, a neutral that keeps an eye on things going on with Fulham. So I c- can only imagine how you guys feel. Yeah, it's been hard, uh, Simon, because 
I'm glad we're talking a little bit about it. I wish we had more time to go into detail on these articles because they were fascinating, but they kind of back up what I feel has been going on with the club. And I think the best way to describe it is Ranieri is trying to put square pegs in round holes, and it's just not working. He's not getting the most out of the players that he has. He's trying to find his team, and he uh, keeps tinkering. You know, that's he's a tinker man, but – I think um, the one thing that stands out for me, and you talked about Tom Kearney, and it's mentioned in one of these articles, he's playing Tom Kearney out wide. He wants to play him more up front, and I've watched Tom Kearney his entire career, and I know to get the most out of Tom Kearney is to play him centrally. So that, to me, is a fundamental problem, and you mentioned Sessegnon as well. For whatever reason, he's not getting enough out of these players, and I think part of it is that these players were brought in to play a possession-based style under Slavisa, and now you're asking them to play a different style under Ranieri, and I think both the players and him are struggling to make it work. I do, I do think, though, that, that this has been an uncomfortable season, obviously, but it feels like Slavisa set the tone by changing things so much at the start of the season. Yep. I mean, you guys brought in two first-team goalkeepers and then ended up in Bettinelli, and then he's been replaced, and that sets the tone. I mean, the defence has been changed, topped and changed, and there's still not been the right answers. Obviously, now injuries and stuff are biting. Um, so that that hasn't helped. You've obviously had the background issues with Abu Bakar Kamara. Um, obviously, he's gone now, but that's been a, a sideshow. There's been several sideshows, and it's kind of detracted from what the important things is. And yes, Ranieri's been brought in to bring the different style and put square pegs and round holes, or attempting to, but look at Southampton. Um, Ralph Hasenhutl couldn't have been more different to Mark Hughes, and he was brought in at a similar time. In fact, he was brought in later, wasn't he? Because you guys beat yeah, Mark Hughes. he was. But he was brought in and has completely ripped things up. We can actually defend now, which is not something we could do. Um, we press. The players that weren't up to up to the mark have been shipped out. Look, that's easier said than done, but Wesley Hoop was the guy that gave you the win. I remember. Uh, and hasn't, hasn't played a single game under... He hasn't, I, yeah, I called it on, on this podcast. He I did. said that's what would happen. Uh, and he, well, Ralph Hasnett was obviously listening to the podcast as well because he didn't get a single match on the bench, never mind it, any minutes, uh, and has been shipped out to Celta Vigo, Sayonara. The same with Manola Gabidini because he doesn't fit the pressing style he wants to play. Charlie Austin was going to be allowed to go because he doesn't. Stephen Davis doesn't have the legs. He, you guys know he's a great player, but he yeah. wasn't ready to do that. So what he did was he cut those players and got rid of them um, and the players that are there have bought into it look that's easier said than done and there are slightly different players there than there are at Fulham but you right. guys have the talent within your squad to not be nowhere near this position and I it's totally quite agree. frustrating it is what... Simon and that's what's getting me because I know they have the talent and it's just a matter of it all coming together and it just hasn't it's funny because I could say that the defense is better but if you look at the amount of goals they're giving up that's still a problem and uh <laughs> Again, you know, it's just it's hard to watch because I can see a team that has the talent not to be where they are, but this is who they are right now, and he's struggling to get the most out of them. And uh, it's a, a problem for the entire team. It's not just Ranieri. It's obviously the players. It's the players that, you know, were brought in. It's a combination of everything. It's a mess. And for me, I'm glad that you mentioned this. The worst part of it, and this tells me how bad the situation is, you brought up the Abubakar Kamara situation. Things like that happen to bad teams, honestly. And that to me was a very bad sign that something is really wrong because 
it's not a functional team. Not everyone's on the same page. And I think that's why it's gone from bad to worse since the last time we talked. It just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And it's uh, very bad right now. But the positive is that you do have some good characters there. And there's on, there's far, far more good people at Fulham Football Club. Oh, absolutely. Than there are. So the, I, I don't feel all, all is lost. I, okay. I know you can easily look at the table and think that, and I know these fixtures aren't going to be kind, but you do have the talent. So if it can just click, and you're running out of time, but I still don't, I still don't think you guys have gone. Really? Wow, that makes me feel a lot better. If you believe Simon and someone that has followed Fulham Football Club and covered them, that actually is is a little encouraging. It's it's hard right now for me to believe that. It's funny because even just a few weeks ago, I finally just gave into this, I accepted it, but. You know, I, I did as a, I did, I did as a Southampton fan last season, and we stayed up. So yeah, makes sense. You never know what can happen. Listen, if there's anything that I've learned from the past is, is I just have to look at Roy Hodgson and um, the Great Escape. Is it possible to do it again? <laughs> I hope so, my friend. I hope so. All right, I know that you need to go, so let's get right to the prediction part of uh, the show. Let's start with Manchester United. What do they need to do to win this match? You talked about the upcoming match. They need to keep their eye on the ball on this game. So what does Ole Gunnar Skullshire need to do to get his team ready to play Fulham? And what do they need to do to win? Yeah, so focus will be key. Um, and I, do you know what? I think the bad news for you guys is that uh, they had that scare against Leicester last weekend and Burnley before that. Uh, they've had their wobbles, and I feel like they're going to want to make a, a point. Um, whether that comes to pass, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's going to come down to how well your defence is prepared or set up uh, to face this United side. Because I remember being at a Fulham United game yep. maybe five years ago. I think it was 5 0 in the end. It was quite a big defeat. Uh, I remember. It was one of those days when. You, it wasn't for, Jesus, I'm getting old. It was 2011. Um, but yeah, it was um, It was just one of those days where Fulham just couldn't cope. I'm worried that if they're not set up properly, it's going to be hard to pinpoint exactly how United are going to line up and attack with that PSG game in mind. Um, sure. But the ones that are playing will have a point to prove. Alexis Sanchez, for example, he's only started one Premier League game uh, since November uh, and he got taken off against Leicester because it wasn't good enough. Um, so there will be players looking to prove a point and looking at Fulham's defence saying, this is my chance. Okay, very good. That's going to lead me to put you in the shoes of Claudio Ranieri. You've already said this. It's about how they set up. So if you're him, how would you set Fulham up? I'm talking about basically in the back. Would it be a flat back four? He's gone a great deal with three at the back with three centre backs. What would you do? It's it's very hard for me to call. It's been hard for Slavisa and Claudio to call. So for me to call, yeah. it's, it's pretty tough. <laughs> um, uh, I personally, if I had the the right components available, would would play three at the back. Uh, England during the World Cup in the summer, Gareth Southgate wise up to the fact that he didn't have two centre backs that were commanding enough uh, to to play out from the back and do, and stay firm and do everything he needed them to do. So that's why he put three there, uh, flanked by wingers to give them width. I don't think that's a bad idea. It gives you a chance to get behind the fullbacks because they come forward and help on the counter-attack as well. Um, I think that would be wise. Your midfield's going to have to be pretty strong uh, against United. Pogba's going to be pulling the strings and you'd think Matic and, well, Matic and Herrera are the first choices, but whether they're 
they've rotated out with PSG uh, is it's not clear. And then I said this last time, Mitrovic is a is a nightmare to play against uh, and is a top class striker. Um, so just United's defense as much United's defense has probably been the shakiest thing about them. Uh, while they've been looking good as a, a progressively bringing it out from the back and and attacking, uh, Lindelof has been excellent as well. But his partners have changed. Uh, his, his initial part at the start of the season, Chris Smalling hasn't played in, in two months. He's back from injury but hasn't played. And, and well, I don't think he played against uh, against Leicester. So, uh, and they just—I know they got that clean sheet. But if you look, I think they've only got four or five Premier League clean sheets this season, which isn't a great record. And their goal difference is not very good. So, I think you can get goals against United. And okay. If you def- if you set up defensively, you'll be all right. Okay. Because while you're saying that, I was just thinking about how Ranieri wants Fulham to play going forward. He wants crosses in the box because he has Mitrovic. He's actually talked about it this on so many occasions. The crosses haven't been the greatest at times. Sometimes they've been better in certain matches. So for you, I'm, I'm just curious, how well are Manchester United handling crosses in the box? And like you said, a focal point like Mitrovic, how, how much of a problem can he give them? I'm just trying to think of the goals that they've conceded recently. Um, it seems to be, if I remember correctly, some second balls in the box that they've just not reacted to and things like that. Um, or a mistake in midfield, which leaves the defence exposed. Yep. So crosses, I'm not too sure. I mean, Lindelof has just been getting his head on everything okay. recently. And he was up for the club's player of the month award uh, this time last year. I think fans would have sighed if they saw his name on the team sheet. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, they can they can be got out. So, and and also they seem to the intensity seems to drop in the last twenty minutes, thirty minutes, even in the games that they've won. It's Arsenal, okay. Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham game. De Gea had to be had best performance I've seen in a long time. So to keep the clean sheet, Brighton came back at the end. Okay. Burnley's kind of they conceded two against Burnley and somehow managed to dig deep and get a result, but they were sloppy in the last half an hour. And Leicester, again, they they had to they ride their luck. So I think the opportunities will arise later on. It's just whether you guys are still in the game and whether you guys um, have the ability to hurt them. Okay, very good there, Simon. All right, let's end with your prediction for the match and I'll give mine. Uh, I want to be positive. <laughs> I'll go... I'll be half positive. It's not really positive because you're still losing sure. in my prediction. I'm going to say 3-2 to Manchester United. Okay, very good. I think you're flattering for them too much. I'm going 3-1 to one to Manchester United. I well, that's just, only one I, goal. Yeah, well, <laughs> I would like to think that it would be a good match. It's funny because I was just talking to one of my co-hosts that for both of us, we're just looking for a performance. You know, maybe we can nick something as we've been saying, but it's going to be very difficult. But listen, Simon, I know that you have to run. Thank you so much for doing this with me. No, not a problem. As I said, I'm looking forward to getting down there tomorrow. And uh, I really hope that you guys get out of it, just not at Southampton's expense. (laughs) Thank you there, my friend. All right. Well, it is time to wrap up this episode. For my guest, Simon Peach, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.